Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast or Radio Show. Coming to you on this Sunday, October the 17th, 2021. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we are talking about eating for your body type. And we're going to break down the body types. Should you eat for your body type? Does it even matter, especially at the beginning of your fitness journey, somewhere when you get in the middle of it or when you're really starting to reach kind of like your apex of fitness wherever that may lie for all of you guys depending on the goal obviously age genetically where you start and everything kind of wrapped up in between before we jump into that the podcast is brought to you by my homies at athletic greens you guys already know the one thing i take every single day i was just up in northern arizona the last couple of days there's actually snow up there which is crazy uh to see and i took my athletic greens with me it goes with me everywhere i go honestly it's the easiest way to cover all the micronutrient needs especially when i'm there uh, we grilled every day which is awesome so i had asparagus i had brussels sprouts even had a banana but that's not enough uh, if I'm eating just steak and that, and maybe having a beer, obviously with some friends. So I'll take athletic greens with me, rip it, throw it in water, go for a hike, move around, make sure my body's getting everything it needs. If you guys want to check it out right now, we'll give you a year supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. The site is athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott. And if you're on the fence and you're like, well, I've heard you talk about it 800 times. Or this is the first podcast you guys have listened to. Hit me up. I'll have Monica send you a pack for free to try. I don't care where you live. If you need one for you and your wife, whatever it may be, just ask. We'll ship it to you. You can try it. It's the best tasting greens on the planet by far. And then you guys can get hooked up with all of the free stuff. That's my gift to you. Any other podcast doing that? No. But we're crazy here, and I'm happy to help you any way I can. But if you want to check it out, all this is in the show notes. And the site is athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott to get you guys a year's supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. Also, we're brought to you by my homies at Beam CBD. You guys know I take the Beam Dream product. That excuse me, they have an extra strength version now that Heather's been taking and she is I mean dead to the world when she takes it. You can't wake her up. It's literally I've never seen anybody sleep so so sound. I'm taking the the normal uh, dream product that works for me. I wake up. I'm not groggy. I feel good. It's not habit forming. There's no THC in it. It's all natural. If you guys want to check it out, beamtlc.com. You can put in the code Jeremy Scott to get you 20% off all products, 35% off all subscriptions. And if you want to try a couple of the dream samples, I think we still have about, uh, what does it look like? Maybe a hundred over there. Uh, I can ship out to you guys if you want to try it. Then get hooked up with all the free stuff again. This will be in the show notes as well. There are other sponsors, uh, joeyshotsauce.com. The code is Jeremy25 for 25% off. He has a handful of different levels of, of hotness, I guess. Uh, Heather does the hot sauces. She does like the medium grade. I know for you guys who want to light your face on fire, uh, there's some of those as well. All natural, no sugar. No added preservatives, basically no bullshit. Uh, so again, that's in the show notes. And then shout out to our sponsor, JLab. Uh, it's jeremyscottfitness.jlabpro.com. We use them for our protein, our turmeric, our collagen, and krill oil. And we always have a code for the protein, and I believe the collagen as well. And probably a handful of times throughout the year, they put a bunch of discounts on all the products on the website so if you guys are in the newsletter you're going to see that come through if you guys want our free supplement guide hit me up otherwise you can check out the site jeremyscottfitness.jlabpro.com for the protein turmeric collagen and the curl oil we use in our life and last but not least shout out to our friends at kettle and fire bone broth if you guys don't know bone broth ton of benefits gut health digestion uh, supports skin, hair, nails, which all makes us look real sexy. It can even help with better sleep, which is crazy. It fits in with people who do keto or paleo or obviously the intermittent fasting stuff that I'm into. Uh, it's the best tasting bone broth by far. They do way more than just bone broths, but uh, there's no additives, no preservatives, no antibiotics, no hormones, no artificial colors, flavors. It's as real as it gets. We can always hook you guys up. The code is SCOTT20 for 20% off all of their products on the site. I do like their beef and the chicken. They actually do have a chili that just came out, which is also legit since it's getting cooler here in the desert. But shout out to all of our sponsors. Again, we're going to put all of those in the show notes for you guys to check out. Now, we are going to talk about 
eating for body type here and uh, if it really matters if it's something you should do look into uh, when I say body type if you guys even know what I'm talking about we'll dig into that in a second but I sure short I can't even talk today we just did our Sunday advanced Metcon so if I do cough here uh, intermittently I apologize I sat here for an hour doing emails so I wouldn't uh, start coughing on the mic but uh, it was a rough one today what do we do uh, 40 minute Ham ramp, so as many rounds as possible. Uh, 20 ski cows, 20 row cows, 10 toe touch push ups, uh, 100 yards of walking lunges, and then a dumbbell carry around the building, which is about maybe 400 yards, give or take. Probably a little bit longer than that. And uh, you could carry the dumbbell any way you wanted to. Uh, dudes carry to 50. The females carry to 25. And it's just as many rounds of that as you could possibly get through in the 40 minutes. And it got. Uh, it got real spicy real quick. So that was my day today. So I apologize if I start to uh, cough up a lung here because it, uh, it got real in a hurry. But I shared this on my Instagram story the other day. I get a lot of things sent to me from a lot of you, uh, which I'm very thankful for. A lot of motivational stuff, just a lot of uh, just lifestyle you know, sayings. And if you ever come into my office here, a lot of it is... Uh, nostalgic things I grew up on and things that uh, are funny to me or that I enjoy. And then there is obviously a lot of, uh, you know, deeper cutting uh, quotes and motivational things in the walls. If you guys are watching on YouTube, you can see the Martin Luther King Jr. stuff behind me. Uh, we have some Abraham Lincoln things and, and a handful of others. And so this came from someone on Instagram and the quote is, one day it just clicks. You realize what's important and what isn't. You learn to care less about what other people think of you and more about what you think of yourself. You realize how far you've come and you remember when you thought things were such a mess and that you would never recover. And then you smile. And you smile because you're truly proud of yourself and the person you have fought so hard to become. And I share that because I think a lot of us uh, can resonate with that. You know, there, there might be a handful of people who are super fortunate and they've never had any, you know, super crazy shit happen to their lives. But for the rest of us, uh, we've definitely all had a, a struggle, whether it be, you know, internal, external, uh, family stuff, career stuff, uh, financial health, you name it. If you're over the age of, you know, probably 20, some shit's probably come your way. And if you're under the age of 20, you're probably dealing with all that, you know, teenage hormone nonsense and all the things that uh, that roll with that. And I, I share things like that a lot on the platforms because they're good reminders. And, you know, you never know what people are going through. And that's why I like to throw that out there. And, uh, you know, the, the worst thing you've ever been through is the worst thing you've ever been through. And your problems are real to you. And now, albeit they might be, you know, luxury problems uh, to a big chunk of the world, but that doesn't mean they're still not problems to you. And you never really know what people are carrying through their day. I always default back to that. Now, some people in the world you meet are just assholes. And that's, that's just how they're going to be. And you're not going to change them. But I like to give people the benefit of the doubt when I see them somewhere, you know, speeding through traffic, or maybe they're just a little bit worked up, or they look like they have anxiety, or they seem like they're kind of pissed. And I just, I chalk it up to man, maybe they're just having a really rough time. Maybe they got some real shit going on in their life. And that's why we put these quotes on the t-shirt. That's why we post them in the gym. It's why I try to flood, you know, all of our platforms with the positive sayings and affirmations and things that mean something. Because you never know when, when someone is, you know, really eating shit in their life and they see that on a t-shirt or they see it on social and it pops in and it, it snaps them out of it. It changes their mood. It's the it's the little bit of gasoline or oxygen they need to just keep going. And I think if a lot of us did that in the world, uh, it'd be a lot better place, most definitely. So I want to throw that out there to you guys. If you're, you know, eating some eating some trash right now, uh, like I always say, it, it um, it's not going to kill you, and it's not going to bury you. It's just going to plant you uh, to grow into the next version of the person you're going to be, which is a stronger, more badass version. I can promise you that. But I digress. We are talking about 
body types. Uh, I'm going to go into detail here. Uh, there are some great infographics actually on uh, ectomorphs, endomorphs, uh, mesomorphs, the body types, if you will, uh, that Precision Nutrition put out. I believe uh, the original uh, article on depth of this, Ryan Andrews and uh, Helen uh, Kalias, I believe the name is, uh, threw this together if you want to go really deep down the rabbit hole. Uh, I pulled from about five different uh, articles here and just things I've talked about uh, with friends and colleagues over the years about body type, what I've personally experienced, what obviously, you know, Heather has, and then obviously, you know, the thousands of clients we've had here, both in person and on the internet. And when I say body types, I throw those three out there, uh, the ectomorph, the mesomorph, and the endomorph. And all of us kind of fit into one of those boxes, but not completely. It's not just that black and white. And when you're talking about eating for body type and is it even important and how relevant would it be, I'm going to get to that. And I think all of you kind of know what kind of body type you are, whether you realize it has a, a technical name or not. So if we're talking about eating for your I believe they say soma type, which is a, a body type, you know, soma is, is Greek for body, I believe, S-O-M-A. Again, I'm from Minnesota. I'm going to butcher words, most definitely. Uh, I've been in the Southwest forever, and I still can barely say half the streets here. Uh, I really do have respect for people who speak multiple languages fluently. It is the most impressive thing, especially if you are not, let's say, from America, and you come to America, and you become a doctor, uh, through like our university system and English is your second language. Do you know how much smarter you are than me? Like it, not even measurable how much more brilliant you are than I am. Cause I can barely speak the English language as most of you, uh, can tell. But if we're talking about eating for body type for most people, um, I don't think it's necessarily important to gauge the way you eat based off of this genetic box you've kind of been placed in from your parents, essentially. I mean, you kind of inherit it, um, but it's not forever. And I'm going to dig into that in a little bit of detail. For most people, it's not the most effective tool. And a lot of you who are listening or fitness people, you know, you belong to a gym, you follow fitness people, you've read enough about health and fitness that you care to listen to me ramble on about it. The three body types, again, um, if we're talking ectomorph, mesomorph, and endomorph, that's not the only three boxes we can be put in. We can all be a little bit uh, kind of of each if we're talking about a sliding scale. But let's go back to the origins real quick just so we understand like where all this nonsense came from. If we're talking like the 1940s, there's a psychologist, Dr. William Sheldon. He came up with the idea of body types. And he thought that the body size and shape helped determine things like personality traits, uh, assertiveness, aggressiveness, shyness, and sensitivity. So this dude, and this is in the 40s, he's doing his thing. He's a doctor. And he thinks that based off of body type, you can predict how someone's personality would be in terms of if they're aggressive, if they're shy, if they're sensitive. Well, the dude was wrong. Uh, clearly, I think you all know people who are multiple body types. Someone might be 300 pounds and they're the biggest, softest teddy bear of all time. And then someone would pay 300 pounds and literally they're like, you know, honor the giant who oddly enough has seemed, they, they say he was like the nicest guy ever, but you get what I'm saying. Like you have 300 pound friends who are complete, you know, badasses, And then you have 300 pound friends who are just super chill. Same thing for, you know, you might have a 105 pound female who's the most gangster person you've ever met in terms of attitude, just like gets after it. And then you might have a, you know, like my grandma was before she passed away, just like the nicest, you know, like old, like an old grandma, like a, a normal grandma would be. But those are the three. Um, and if we're going to break them down, just so for you guys listening, you understand this. And there's infographics on this, again, like I said, from Precision Nutrition and basically every other fitness site. If you go to Google Images, it's going to break this down. But according to like the original uh, definitions, if you go back to Sheldon's, the ectomorphs tend to be the thinner, narrower, delicate, fragile, 
you know, linear and less muscle. Basically, those are your skinnier friends, uh, for lack of a better term. And then your endomorphs were your soft, round, pudgy, overweight. I'm literally just quoting here uh, off the top. But the endomorphs are your people who are naturally just bigger. You know, they got, there's just more of them to love. And then the mesomorphs, that's where you have the people with the broader shoulders, the smaller waists and hips, uh, typically tend to be more muscular, compact, and obviously athletic. So if we break them down in detail, if you're talking about the uh, endomorphy, the relative, you know, fatness or leanness is determined by the sum of obviously the skin folds. And typically when we are clipping people here, uh, we do typically Jackson Pollock method, if you guys are familiar, uh, but you can clip them at the triceps, um, the subscap, and then typically like around the abdomen. And then you obviously add up those folds and you get the score. If you're talking like the mesomorphy, it's the muscle masses, you know, relative to height determined by the width, you know, of the elbow and the knee, flexed arm circumference, corrected with the tricep skin fold, calf circumference. And then obviously like there's a, uh, the cat, the medial uh, calf skin fold as well. And if you're talking about the ectomorph stuff, typically they don't have much body mass, body fat, or muscle relative to height, and that determined by obviously their height and their weight. And that probably doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot to you. So if I broke it down in simple terms, if we're talking the the mesomorph here, which is kind of that natural, uh, more athletic body, those people on that scale tend to be the people who are kind of, you know, your weightlifters, uh, the people who look like they're kind of jacked. Uh, this can also be like gymnasts. It can be like the sprinters. It can be those types of, of humans. And as you move towards like the ectomorph, you might get people who, and again, these are all going to, there's a sliding scale here. There's, you don't just fit in one box is what I'm saying. So if you're a person who's like, yeah, Jeremy, I woke up and I'm like Bo Jackson. I'm naturally, or I'm Deion Sanders. I'm naturally just a mesomorph. I'm one of the most athletic freaks on the planet. They're not just in that box. They have a little bit of probably ecto in them. They probably got a little bit of endo in them, but they, a majority of them is in that mesomorph, which the mesomorphs are the more athletic people. If you're like the ectomorph, you probably closer to someone maybe a little bit leaner. Again, this is it just depends. Uh, some tennis players tend to be more like ectomorph. Uh, your high jumpers, your cross-country runners, those types of people. But then obviously there's outliers. There's people who play tennis who are, you know, more mesomorph, more athletic, more jacked, you know? And then if you're talking the endomorphs, it's the people who maybe like football players, like the linemen, uh, obviously extreme examples, like sumo wrestlers are tend to be endomorphs. The sumo wrestler is not going to be an ectomorph and a cross country runner is not going to be an endomorph. See what I'm saying here? Now, all of it comes, you know, full cycle, but we all have a little bit of each. So hopefully you guys are following me up to this point. I don't want to get too uh, lost in the craziness. So even though everybody's a mix of body types, most people can find their, I guess, general tendencies in one of the groups. And so no matter what group you fall into, so if you're listening to me, <clears throat> excuse me, and you're like, Jeremy, well, I was a offensive lineman in college, you know, you probably naturally or just through your training and things at a younger age, you were in that endomorph category. If you were the person who wrestled or you were a gymnast and you you know have this muscular build, you're probably in the mesomorph category. If you were an Ironman um, and amazing at you know cross country skiing, cross country running, long distance things, uh, endurance activities, rowing, probably closer to an ectomorph. And so, no matter which group you naturally were born into or kind of went through life in, you're not stuck there. That's the beauty of all this. You can change, you know, your body type over time. So example would be like, you know, bodybuilders uh, can be mistaken for natural mesomorphs and they may actually be an endomorph, but they've trained and dieted so hard, they've changed your body over time. Or you could also be an ectomorph who has spent years, you know, crushing macros, drinking protein shakes, or tuna and oatmeal when you're dead broke like me, and just jack and steal, and you become this kind of mesomorph, you know, through training, and you've changed your body type over time. So just know if you're listening to me, all hope is not lost. Your body type is not, 
a life sentence. I'll repeat that. Genetics are real. You're going to have natural tendencies, uh, two different body types, uh, but it's not a life sense of being stuck there forever. The examples I like to give in real life here are BG Gadur and myself, which I'm going to get BG on the podcast here um, sooner than later. Before the end of the year, BG Gadur will be in this building talking on this podcast and it's going to be fucking amazing. Excuse my language for anybody who's offended, uh, but I got excited there. Anyways, I use him as the example because I've known him for a long time. Um, I've seen his body change drastically over the last 10 years. I always like to say I've not seen a human, you know, do more with less uh, genetically. Not saying he doesn't have genetic gifts because he certainly does, but he's, he's wringing that thing dry, man. Like he's pushing the limits and it's really impressive to see. So naturally for me... I am more uh, on the ectomorph side. And then now I, I would classify myself as the, you know, mesomorph. Now, BJ is on the endomorph side, naturally. When I'm in college, you know, high school, college age, six foot two, I'm about 170, 175 pounds soaking wet. That's probably before the season starts, and then I'm going to lose weight. That's just how it went for me because sports are just, it's the aerobic stuff for me. I can shed weight very quickly if I'm running around uh, doing, you know, essentially, you know, basketball, things like basketball, soccer. Uh, those are the essence of interval training. Those are hit, that's hit training for a long time. BJ, in the same age as me, same height, 6'2", was about 300 pounds and uh, not like, you know, jacked 300 pounds, like a sloppy, hot mess, 300 pounds his own words. Uh, and so now we kind of both meet in the middle. We both are, you know, relatively muscular. We're both relatively lean. We're both pretty fit. And, uh, we come from two different ends of the spectrum. Mine was eating a, a crap ton of food, uh, lifting heavy for long periods of time to create the mold that I'm in here. His was eating much less than he probably was at first and still training and doing, you know, way more aerobic stuff than I naturally had to do because I was trying to add the muscle to be in the mesomorph. He's trying to lose the weight to be in there, but you can get there. Now, naturally, I'm going to be leaner than him every day walking around because that's my natural body type. For him, naturally, he's going to have more just muscle mass, especially like on his hamstrings, which looks like there's an alien growing out of his ass. He's going to have that naturally where I don't. You see where I'm going there? Like, you can change it over time. Is it easy to do? Not really. But what what in life worthwhile is really easy to do. And then, obviously, I throw Ben uh, in the example, which Ben Novak was on the podcast a couple weeks back. Ben is six foot nine, 300 pounds. Now, him and I can eat the same stuff, and he's not going to rip through it as fast as me. Because he, again... Me being born on the ecto side, him being on the endo side, he has to eat different and train different than me if he wants to get the same results and vice versa. So again, just so we're clear, this is not a life sentence. You have friends who were huge who became smaller. You had friends who were smaller who became bigger. So you can change your station. You're going to always have natural tendencies, whatever you were born with, that's not going to go away. Like Ben is never going to come in here and be 190 pounds. First of all, he's six foot nine. And for him, probably his sweet spot is maybe, I don't know, 270. Like, I don't know if that's like ideal for him. You'd have to ask him. But I guess like his ideal for him to be like strong, ripped tone is maybe like 270. And so I'm never going to get to 270 no matter what I do. Like I, it would be, it's impossible. Like, I, I mean, I guess if someone, I laid in bed and they fed me all, all day, I could get there. The point being is you have your natural gifts. You got to roll with them. If you can naturally build muscle easier, appreciate it. If you are naturally leaner, appreciate it. But everybody wants what they don't have, right? Like when I was super skinny, I wanted to be more muscular. Always like, oh, if I can get to 180, then I'll be happy. And then I got to 180. If I can get to 185, it'll be, and then 190, 195. And it just keeps going. We always want what we don't have. That's why comparison is the thief of joy because it will drive you crazy because you're never going to get there. It's the same thing for the females. And this is the example I hear a lot. My butt is so flat, Jeremy. I'm like, yeah, but you're super lean. Like, and you can change that too over time, but you have this natural gift. Just like the girl with more curves and, you know, 
an ass that she likes and, you know, is around and it's the, I don't want to get creepy here, but it, you know, like my wife, my wife has a great ass and for her to do something like she can change it, but she naturally just has a booty. Like it's just naturally there. So she's going to have to eat a certain way if she wants to be leaner. She's not naturally born like this ectomorph paper thin. Like she works really hard to be in the mesomorph category because she would probably be closer to the endomorph than the ectomorph, like where I'm closer to the ectomorph than the endomorph. So just so you know, you guys, a lot of the people you see, they probably had some genetic gifts, but more often than not, they've worked their ass off to change their body type and you can do the same thing. So we just described those, the, the three basic outlines. So just know they aren't a life sentence. You can do something with it. And over the years, you know, there's been a lot of research on these, um, to see what correlates, like what connects and, and what you can actually do about it and how to change your current station. So the question on here is, is there an association between your body type and your genetics? And the answer is obviously yes. Um, there are studies that looked at identical twins. And we know that the mesomorphy and the ectomorphy are both highly linked to genetics. Both about 70%. While the endomorphy is much lower, 30%. And so obviously, that's a, for a comparison, height has this um, hereditary uh, trait of about 80% of people comes from your parents. Now, that's not to say like Michael Jordan's parents were super short, he ended up being tall, there is obviously going to be anomalies, that would be the 20%. So I'm going to say that again, so you understand it. There are studies that look at identical twins. And they know that the mesomorph and the ectomorph are both highly linked to genetics, about 70% of that, while the endomorph is much lower. It's about 30%, which is kind of crazy. And so, again, when they're comparing, they say height, about 80% of that is, is kind of hereditary. So if your parents are both 7 feet, odds are you're not going to be 4'2". You could be, um, but more likely than not, that will not happen. And then they ask the question, is there an association between body types and athletic performance? The answer is yes. There's research that's linked body types with obviously fast twitch muscles, um, which is, you know, obviously associated with power athletes. Uh, mesomorphs are likely to have this, you know, fast gene uh, more often than not than other body types, which would explain why sprinters tend to fall into that kind of mesomorph body type. And elite runners tend to be more ectomorphs, why elite sumo wrestlers tend to be endomorphs. We kind of gravitate towards what we're great at, right? Like that's the, that's the thing. If you're like, and I'll use Ben for example, if Ben's six foot nine, you know, 200 and, you know, 70 to 300 pounds, he's probably not going to be an elite marathon runner. Although he has ran a marathon, which bless his heart. I'm sure it took 10 years off his life. That's not what he was going to do. He was never going to be probably a great swimmer or like a high diver, probably not a horse jockey, wasn't going to be his thing. He was going to play basketball or football. That's what he was going to do. Uh, if you look at the, the the elite great people, like the Michael Phelps of the world, like Michael Phelps wasn't going to be an Olympic level sprinter. It was never going to happen. But swimming, he found what worked for his body type. And then obviously the other, you know, freakish, you know, gifts that come with it and work ethic. But the point being is, your athletic performance is connected to your body type. It's and for the instance of that. And obviously again, there's always outliers, but you can't put a square peg in a round hole. You got to play to your strengths. I believe if you want to step back from this and not look at it from a fitness and athletic standpoint, you look at it from a life standpoint. If you play to your strengths, you're more likely to be super successful in life than if you're trying to really force something that's not what you do. Um, you have to know your skill set, And I, that's, not really connected to this podcast, but you do have to know what your natural gifts are. And if you double down on those, I think you're going to crush it. And then again, you can work on the things that, that aren't great. But if you're naturally this, you know, endomorph and you'd be better off, you know, being a football player, um, like on the line or a linebacker or something, you know, in a, a bigger role, but you really want to be the next Prefontaine and be awesome at, you know, long distance running. I don't really think it's in the cards for you. So the takeaway is you got to play the cards you're dealt in terms of that. Now you can work to change things, 
But in terms of athletic performance, if you were, you know, like me, for example, I was never going to play lineman um, for the University of Alabama. This wasn't going to happen. I was six foot two, 170 pounds. No matter what I did, I was not going to change that about my body type in terms of athletic performance. I just had to work with the cards I was dealt. But in terms of how you look, that's where we can all move amazing, feel amazing, and look awesome no matter what body type we are. And you guys are in control of that, which is pretty badass. And then the last question here, there was asking if there was an association between body type and cardiovascular disease. And the answer is yes. And because of this, depending on what body type, um, again, a lot of these, you know, genetics is real. And that's why I think a lot of medical people, and they could correct me if I'm wrong, they ask, you know, um, when you go in, anybody in your family have cancer, anybody have died of cancer, especially like breast cancer, hereditary. Um, if your uncle had cancer, if your grandma, your grandpa, your mom, your dad, all of these things um, runs in the family like that, that is a real thing. So we do inherit, you know, certain traits, obviously. But they ask about body type linking to cardiovascular disease. And there is truth to that. Um, typically, if it runs in your family, you might be more likely to develop things like high blood pressure, uh, elevated cholesterol, cholesterol. Why can't I say that word? What is wrong with me? Um, obviously, all these things are going to, you know, raise your risk of heart disease. And the reason why is that fat and muscle um, both serve as, you know, endocrine organs that produce hormones and proteins. And then obviously, the fat makes up a substance called uh, the adipokines. And then the skeletal muscle makes myokines, if I'm saying that correctly. And there's a recent study that suggests that these substances regulate high blood pressure, hypertension, and overall, the myokines from your muscle tissue seem to decrease. And then obviously, hypertension um, in those muscles obviously roll as well. So a lot of things come with genetics. But the beauty is most of these things we can change and move over time if we alter our lifestyle. All these podcasts and everything we say here, all this information, which is hopefully helpful to you guys, if nothing else, you know, entertaining or beneficial, it all comes down to the same thing. You're going to have to change your lifestyle if you really want to change where you're at in life. And this goes for everything. I don't care if you're talking about better mobility, increasing your deadlift, cutting down your mile time, getting yourself out of debt, having a better relationship with your husband or your wife or your kids, advancing your career, becoming more educated. These take lifestyle changes to improve. And they're going to take effort on your part. There is no magic pill, especially for this. It will never exist. And if not in my lifetime, I don't see how it, they could ever give you something that made you naturally, you know, ripped, healthy, happy, and internally and externally functioning at the best level with no side effects. So all these things require work. And as we talk through this, should you eat just for your body type? And the answer, in my opinion, is no. I don't think it makes that big a difference. And I wouldn't gauge everything off of that. For the average person who just wants to look better and move better and feel better, worrying about body type and focusing on that and thinking that you're stuck here forever, which we've already clarified that you're not, it just becomes a huge distraction. And it makes your nutrition, your daily eating and your habits even more complicated. And most of you, you don't need that. For the average person, a simpler, easy approach is going to be much better. And I'm going to walk through uh, just the basic steps here uh, as we kind of dig into this. And it's, again, there are things you've heard me say before, uh, nothing earth shattering, but this is what I would do regardless of where you're at. And we'll kind of talk about the differences of each body type real quick before we get you out of here. But just know you're not stuck there. You can change it. But the first thing you have to, you have to master the fundamentals. You really do. Um, people want to over complicate everything. They really do. They want to overcomplicate their fitness programming and spend, you know, 10 hours looking at a program and finding the holy grail of fitness and what's going to work. And my, again, 
we can go super nuanced with this too. There's people who are really advanced listening to this that 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 might be where they need to be at. There's people who are, you know, doing triathlons. Their training is going to differ. There's people who want to do Spartan races. Their training will differ. There's people who want to be power lifters. That will differ. Or the bikini competitors. Something's going to work for everyone. But for most people, just consistently showing up and putting in work is going to make all the difference in the world. And then once you get to a certain level, then you can drill down. But for most people, just consistently showing up and giving effort and doing the foundational, you know, functional patterns is going to be your best bet. And if we're talking about food, just get the basics down. Consume mostly real food. You've heard me say it before. If it runs, it swims, it flies, it grows from the earth, eat it. If it comes in a bag or a box, just be, be mindful of it for sure. Whole foods, you guys. Fresh fruits, vegetables. Whole grains are fine. Um, Ezekiel products are great. Uh, if you're beans, legumes, if you're that kind of person. I don't eat beans. They make me toot. It's not my favorite. Um, just being honest here. Uh, real meat. Uh, if it can be grass-fed, organic. Uh, you know, steak is awesome. Your fish is great. Uh, chicken, turkey, uh, elk, bison. If you're into the healthy nuts... If you're into chia seeds, whole foods, over time, you guys are going to win. You can self-regulate. You really can. You're going to do so much better by grabbing an apple as opposed to Oreos. You just, you, we really tend to self-regulate on real food and we do so much better with it. Um, There are little changes too. For example, if you can add one more veggie um, to like your sandwich, if you're a sandwich person or to your burger. Uh, for that matter, or can you throw, you know, some greens? Uh, I think kale is gross personally, but like spinach or something, a little side salad with your dinner. Um, just really basic stuff. Or when you're at home and you're you're starving and you're going to make dinner, I tend to always grab my athletic greens. I slam that. I'll even do like a little koya, which is a plant-based protein drink. I'll throw that in there. Or Heather uh, notoriously has a lot of uh, veggies. Usually it's carrots. And like some kind of fancy hummus, but you could do cucumber slices. Any of those things are great while you're waiting, you know, to make dinner. Or if that's like your savor food uh, in between, you're going to be much better off just grabbing real stuff as opposed to just, you know, chips and crackers and cookies and cakes because you eat so many of those. I've never ever sat down and ate like 40 carrots with hummus. I've never done it. If I had a guess, I'd say the most is maybe, maybe 10 um, and if we like have friends over and we do like a, a mixed veggie tray where it's like broccoli, cauliflower, carrots, I've never had like 50 pieces of those, like 20 pieces of broccoli, 20 carrots, 20 pieces of cauliflower, some celery. I've never done that. But if there's chips there, popcorn, yeah, dude, I've crushed at least a hundred individual pieces without even batting an eye. So again, the key Real food, more often than not, you guys will be okay. The second thing, just eat slower. Just slow things down. We've talked about this before on the podcast, actually chewing your food. Um, It helps with cues. It really does. Um, And it helps you appreciate your food. You know, when you're really mindful of it, take a bite, you chew it slow, you can smell it, there's a texture, there's a taste, there's a temperature. Just chill. Actually appreciate it. Don't be your dog. Like, if you guys ever watch my Instagram stories, I feed my dog. It's like she swallows steak whole. It's like, does she even chew it? It's unbelievable. And then it's right back again. I'm like, you didn't even, again, it's a dog. Don't be a dog. You're a human. You can slow things down. You can be mindful of your eating. And your body can actually differentiate between, you know, hey, are we hungry? Are we thirsty? Am I really appreciating this food? So just slow things down. And then we talk about eating until you're satisfied, but not completely stuffed. Especially if you're a person who's trying to lose weight become ripped, become shredded. It's real simple. It, it just helps you eat less without, you know, feeling fully deprived. We want to be, you know, satisfied, uh, you know, satiation, satiety, I guess, how your brain and gut communicate. That's why I do say, I do say slow things down because if you're eating so fast, you're shoveling in, shoveling in, shoveling in food. And all of a sudden it's like, you've ate so much and then it hits you and you're like, damn, my stomach is about to burst and blow up because you shoveled the food in your mouth so quickly and so aggressively. It's like when you go to the bar and you take shots, you don't even know how fucked up you are until it hits you. Like you've had a couple beers, you take a couple shots, all of a sudden you take the next one 
and it hits you like this wave and you're like, damn, I'm gone. If you just would have slowed it down, it wouldn't have happened. Now, hopefully if you guys are, you know, after the age of like 24 or five, you're not still doing that behavior, but I'm not judging. Do what makes you feel good. Uh, it's not a great place to be. But we've transferred that as adults from the booze to food. We just start to inhale it. And my advice is to slow it down. Take a bite, chew it, set your utensils down, sit there. If you're having a conversation with people, that does help. And just really appreciate the meal. And eat until you're satisfied, not completely stuffed like I used to do on Thanksgiving Day, which, knock on wood, I no longer have been doing. So the goal is to stop eating until your hunger dissipates. But before you're going to, you know, shit your pants. <laughs> That's basically the key. So on a 1 to 10 fullness scale, you're aiming for like an 8 or so, like maybe 80% full. And it's going to take some time. There's a learning curve here, especially if you're somebody who's uh, tend to eat huge meals. What I would say, well, let me go through this first. For your first meal, you might have to simply just pay attention to how hungry you are as the meal goes on. Just And again, if you normally eat in three minutes, take it to nine minutes. If you normally eat in five minutes, make it 15 minutes if you have the time to just really appreciate it and understand what's going on with your body. You have to audit, obviously, in real time. And whenever you eat until you're uncomfortable, obviously, just make note of that and then keep it moving forward. What I would say is if you're talking about, you know, losing weight, body fat, those types of things, eating to 80% full is probably where you should be at. If you're trying to maintain your weight, you can eat to like maybe 90 or 100% full. And if you're trying to put on mass and be jacked, you got to go beyond just being full. You got to probably be stuffed. And that's just, that's just the reality of it over time. You just got to keep kind of pushing the limits if you're really trying to get bigger. And that tends to, there could be women out there who want to do that. But 99% of the time I hear dudes say that they're a dude and they want to be 200 pounds. They're a dude and they want to be 190 pounds or 215 pounds, whatever it is. You're going to have to keep eating uh, till beyond fullness. But for most of us, it's eating till 80-ish percent full if you're trying to lose weight. And a rule of thumb is if you eat and you feel like you can't get up off the couch and go for a you know a 30-minute post-dinner uh, digestion walk, you're probably too full. If you eat and you feel like you're in a coma, you're probably too full. If you eat and now you look like you have a baby in your belly and you're a man um, or a female, but you're not really pregnant, you're probably too full. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like you kind of know the common sense guidelines. So if you eat and you feel like you're just going to lay there and fart and be a disgusting human being for the next three hours, you're eating too much at one time and you're probably too full. Just my two cents. Also, the basics, protein and veggies, you guys, that's it. You got to emphasize those things um, in your meals. Those are the biggest two things for most people. Um, if you're really trying to, I don't care what it is, honestly. If you're trying to lose fat, if you're trying to build muscle or strength or just, you know, feel fuller and improve your overall health, protein and vegetables. That's the key. It's the, if you want to talk about like the, the holy grail, that's it. And that's not sexy and nobody wants to hear that. That's the magic is eating proteins and vegetables with your meals. Wash, rinse, repeat that over time. Most people that means aiming for probably like one to two palm sized portions of protein at each meal and one to two size like fist portions of vegetables. And if you hate veggies, take athletic greens. I'll be honest with you. If you hate vegetables, I'm not going to tell you to start loving them. Obviously you can season, season them a certain way. Stick with the ones you like. At my house, it tends to be asparagus is number one. Brussels sprouts is number two. Those are probably the two biggest greens that we do. Outside of that, oh man, maybe spinach. Those are probably the three green veggies we eat the most. Asparagus, Brussels sprouts, and spinach. But there's only so much of that I can eat before you have like this digestive discomfort. So I tend to throw athletic greens into the mix just to cover the gaps. I do like fruit as well. Um, Bananas is probably the number one thing I eat at the house. Heather's is probably blueberries, blackberries, raspberries. And I think that's the right order. Those tend to be the four fruits we have the most of. Uh, strawberries too, depending on the season. So if you're a person who 
is either A, too lazy to do that, or is not going to do that consistently. And I mean every meal, you guys. If you eat three times a day, you got to have greens in all three meals. If you're too busy, you can't commit to doing that or wanting to do that, just take athletic greens. Just help yourself out. Please do. Hit me up. I'll send you a free sample. It's fine. You can take them every day. At least it covers the gaps and it'll put you in a position to, to be healthy overall. Again, I'm trying to solve problems. I know for you guys, like things like tracking macros, which we'll talk about in a second here, falls on like number 18 on the list of things you want to do in the day. And I get that. Like you're married, you got two kids, you got a mortgage, you got car payments, you both have careers, your in-laws are driving you nuts, uh, you get stuck in traffic, your boss is an asshole, whatever it may be. Uh, something went wrong over here. And now you got to sit and track macros. Can you do it? For sure. You're a responsible adult. Most of you are way more talented than you even understand. But I get it. It's you had 19 other problems in the day, and that's where that's slotted in. So if you're a person who's not going to do that consistently, do the things that make your life easier, albeit like in Athletic Green, so at least you covered the gaps in your nutrition and did something. Now, if we move on to food intake, you got to just, you got to track it at some point. You really do. Um, I'm not saying forever if you have an eating disorder or some issue where you're really uh, neurotic about it, I'm, don't do it then. But I think the educational piece is key for a lot of you guys. So if you're somebody who has no idea what's going in, well, how do you know you're going to gauge your process, progress, right? So what I'm saying is how do you know to lose weight or gain weight if you have no idea what's coming in? It'd be like you're trying to save money to pay off a house or buy a house. Let's say you're trying to save for a down payment on a house and you need – Let's say you're going to buy a $300,000 house and you need $60,000, right, for your 20% down payment, probably more with the fees and shit. So let's say 65. How do you know how much you're saving if you're not tracking it in your bank account? Like, so you're just, you're putting money in. So you're throwing money into your account at, you know, wherever your credit union or Wells Fargo or Bank of America or wherever you go, and you're throwing money into an account, but you never track the progress. You never log in and see where it's at. So you put $1,000 in today, 82 bucks yesterday, $127 the day before, $3,000 last month. Well, where am I at? Well, if you're not tracking it, you don't know what's coming in, what's going out, and how far you are away from your goal. The food tracking is the exact same way. We do it with everything else in life. You track how much money you've spent on your credit card statement. You track what your mortgage is and how much you owe versus how much you've already paid down. Even in your car, it tracks how much gasoline is in there. Or if you have an electric car, it tracks how much battery life is left. Here's how many miles you have to go roughly. It's pretty simple, yet we expect to become shredded or ripped or put on muscle without tracking our food. It's really tough to do. If you have no idea what's in a banana, if you have no idea what's in eight ounces of ground turkey, if you have no idea what's in a 16-ounce steak, you really just have to do it to become educated up front. So really something like my fitness pal, super basic, at least sets a baseline for you guys to understand what system is going to work for you. And it's not just calorie counting, it's macro counting, understanding like how many calories go in, but how are those calories diversified in proteins, carbs, and fats. And you need to do that for at least a decent amount of time. Let's say for most people, two weeks to a month is just a great place to start. And don't be a lazy ass with it. Like really try to just give it your best effort. If you're watching Netflix for an hour a day, you can track your food in my fitness pal. Watch Netflix for 50 minutes a day. I'm saying give up those little luxuries to make yourself healthier, happier. And it's going to take the hard work you put in the gym and it's going to propel you that much further forward because you put in the time to actually track it and you became educated. And then you don't have to track it forever once you find a system. And that's what we talk about. Once you start to make progress, you're going to have to modify your macros based on your, your goal, right? And based on your body type of where it's at and where you want it to be. And that's kind of where the body type stuff does come into play, at least for a little bit. Now, again, most people don't need to eat specific macros for their body type, and that's okay. But you, you would have to move into kind of that phase when you've already done the fundamental things right over a long period of time. So, once you've moved to eating real food, once you've moved to tracking macros, that's where you start to understand, okay, here's what type of, of body I have. 
and here's probably how I should eat for it. Does that make sense? Now, obviously, for some people, it's going to be more nuanced for sure. Like when you look at someone who's really hard for them to to lose weight. So the endomorphs out there, the people who have a harder time losing fat than the ectomorphs. You're going to have to know the difference between those two or the people who are, you know, high level, you know, kind of performance athletes. They're going to obviously eat different than the person who's trying to just become shredded because one is for obviously performance and one is for obviously more aesthetics. So if you're somebody listening and you already know your body type, that's awesome. If you don't, not a big deal. We're just going to kind of dig through these really quick here because the most common goal for people is to look their best, move their best, and feel their best. That's the general person probably listening to this right now. So if you're someone who's trying to lose fat and your body type is you're the endomorph, you're naturally just a bigger person, you know, your mom and dad didn't didn't give you the gift of, of being shredded as a young kid. If that is it, don't get hung up on the math. Obviously, if you start to track macros, get a coach, have an accountability, you know, deadline and date and kind of move through it. But just think when you're eating more proteins and more fats and probably less carbohydrates tend to uh, tend to work better. At least that's what I've seen here. Now, carbohydrates are not the enemy by any means. They're great for your body, an awesome energy source, but they're also the, the easy, easiest and most overeaten of all the macronutrients for sure. So if you're somebody who's an endomorph, you're naturally bigger, you want to be leaner, I would say eat a higher protein, higher fat, kind of lower carbohydrate diet. And that's a relative term. And I would say you got to exercise and move your body every single day. I would say that for everybody. Um, You really do. And if you're not sure of like what, you know, your meals would look like, I would say for you guys, you know, one to two palms worth of protein dense foods, one to two fistfuls of veggies. If you want to have a cup of like denser carbohydrates, that's cool. And then, you know, three to four kind of thumbs, uh, I guess, width or thickness of fats, if you will. Real simple stuff. But again, tracking the macros is going to help. But even if you didn't, it's just eating real foods that tend to be mostly protein, produce, and water. And then you have some other carbohydrates on the side. So most of your plate looks like protein, green vegetables, and then obviously there's some other carbohydrates as well. If you are somebody who wants to increase their endurance, they're someone who wants to gain muscle, and you happen to be the ectomorph body type, what I naturally am, if you're doing a ton of high volume, long distance running and cycling, um, you're going to have to consume macros that are designed for that activity and for that body type if you're trying to actually put on muscle. So, you know, whether you're a natural ectomorph or not, or that just happens to be where you're at, even if your body type is, let's say, mesomorph, you're going to have to eat more than you're used to. Um, you almost approach it, you know, like you're a, a hard gainer. You know, you're going to have to be consuming calories consistently over time. And then obviously, I believe throwing in some like resistance training um, and strength training is going to be ideal. Because remember, like a true ectomorph tends to lack both uh, fat and muscle in the body. So to pack on muscle, you're going to have to consume more carbohydrates um, than you're used to, um, maybe less fats than you know, someone who's trying to just get shredded, and then obviously a a good chunk of protein as well. And again, if you want to track the macros, it's a great place to start. But if you're not going to go crazy with the numbers, just think more carbs, and probably less fats. And whenever possible, you try to consume carbohydrates, um, especially if we're talking about like the window, like that post workout window, or some of you guys who need a pre workout, um, you can get away with those, you know, higher sugar foods at that time. So like for your carb intake, you know, you're going to eat obviously whole minimally processed carbohydrates, but dense foods. Um, it doesn't have to be just protein uh, and produce. You're talking more more rice, uh, more oatmeal, uh, more fruits for sure. And then again, if you're talking that post-workout window, you could even be like the sh- more sugary drinks. I know that seems counterintuitive from a lot of things we say here. But I remember when I was trying to get, you know, bigger, uh, gain size. So maybe I was 100 and, I don't know, 80 pounds. I want to get to 190 we would go work out, but then post-workout, you know, have your protein shake and then like grape juice 
or the simpler sugars, the things like they're just like straight dectrose, right? Like uh, Gatorade, I believe the original is still dectrose is what they put in there. Um, it's just fast absorbing. So you're pounding proteins um, and you're pounding the, the liquid sugars as your carbohydrates and the body uptakes it rather quickly, replenishes the glycogen, then you can eat a meal like an hour later. Where someone who's trying to lose weight and obviously be shredded, uh, we're not going to tell them to drink liquid calories because it's just unnecessary. And they're trying to get most of that through just real food. It keeps them fuller for longer. And they tend not to just throw in 300 calories of nonsense. Where if you're trying to gain size, you can get away with that because the body actually needs a surplus of calories to get bigger and to build muscle. That's the takeaway here. And I'm, I'll talk about mesomorph really fast and then we'll roll. But if you're that middle ground, you're the mesomorph person and you want to be more explosive. You want to have more power. Um, you know, to improve your PRs or, you know, crush your next, you know, workout of the day, if you will, or you're going to be better for basketball in your old man's men's league, whatever, whatever it is. Um, how we would eat for you guys is consume fast digesting carbs and dense foods or drinks during the exercise um, or post um, as needed. So either pre-workout, intra-workout or post-workout. And then obviously your meals, you know, your carbohydrate intake should be minimally processed. Again, eating real whole dense foods uh, in moderation and then aiming for, you know, obviously your veggies and a ton of your proteins as you go. But you can, if you're trying to do performance, you have to eat for the activity. So if it's, you know, an hour long basketball game on that day, you're probably gonna have to eat more carbohydrates. You could have your protein shake and a banana, you know, if it's pre-workout or if you are really crushing it and you have to have some of the sugars because you know you're naturally just athletic and you're going to lose them. If you're really playing basketball like outside here in Arizona for an hour and you had to drink a real Powerade or Gatorade, that's fine. I think if you're active enough, you're going to have to gauge it off that or replenish, obviously, the sugars you're losing, the sodium, the potassium, the electrolytes, it'll come back in. You can keep playing at a high pace. Like I remember hiking the Grand Canyon and eating food, feeling like so depleted. And then I ate the food. I had this natural energy. I was like, oh shit, I really do need, need to eat this right now because it's helping my performance. If I don't eat this, I'm literally probably going to fall off this cliff and die, which I did not want to do, obviously. So I could tell where my body was run down and I ate and it gave me this second life. And if you're in those kind of explosive sports and you really need something, what you eat the night before matters or pre, intra, or post-workout obviously makes a huge difference as well. So it's really, it's, it's not complex stuff, um, but you just have to be obviously aware of it and what you're trying to do and, and what the ultimate goal is. So if you're not sure um, what body type you are, obviously, if you've naturally been a bigger person your whole life, you're talking, you know, the endo category. If you're naturally, you know, paper thin, skinny fat like I was, um, obviously ectomorph. And then if you're naturally just, you know, Rambo, you're in that mesomorph category. But you don't got to worry too much about the body type as you start. I think the biggest thing for a lot of you guys listening, if you're not sure or you understand where you are, I can't say this enough. Start with the fundamentals, the basic stuff, whole real nutrient dense foods over time, it's always going to win. It really is. Um, vegetables, lean proteins, eat slowly and your meals when you're about 80% full, if you're trying to be leaner uh, and more ripped. And once you start to master that, and depending on if you want to lose weight or gain weight or increase performance, you can then start to reduce or increase your calories and your macros based on how you're looking and moving and feeling. And obviously, if you're a performance athlete and you want to try to like, you know, time your body, you know, type for whatever the workout is, just figure out what the activity is, figure out what works for you, and then play with your nutrition. That's the thing. Um, and if you tried everything and nothing's working, you have to keep experimenting. And you have to keep trying new strategies and new protocols to see what's going to work for you and your body type. And again, at what stage of life you're in. Because what you did at 26 is probably not going to work the same at 46. I'm just guessing. But I can say to you today, as I'm much closer to 40, as I am to 20, I can't eat the same way um, and perform the same way. It doesn't work the same. When I was in, you know, a kid in high school, I could, you know, eat Burger King you know, have a double Whopper, some fries and a Dr. Pepper, and then go play a high school basketball game and drop 40 points. Like, 
I can't do that now. If I ate a double Whopper fries and a Dr. Pepper, I would probably shit puke myself within the first 30 minutes. And then I wouldn't be able to run up and down the court anymore. You get what I'm saying here? So your nutrition is always changing. There's an evolution that happens as you age. Uh, certain things are going to agree with your body. Certain things aren't going to agree with your body. Maybe you started off as an ectomorph. And over time, you turned yourself into a mesomorph. Or maybe you were naturally skinny. And now you're naturally a little bit bigger because of, I don't know, life, uh, stress, you know, pizza, beer, donuts, whatever it was, it changes over time. So you're always kind of auditing and going through it. And the last thing I'll say is that's why I'm a fan of, you know, tracking and being mindful and having a conversation about food with your spouse, with your partner, and just saying, hey, what are we trying to do? Are, are we eating? What is our goal with food? Obviously, there, there's food for enjoyment and fulfillment. You're going to have beer and pizza. It's fun. We celebrate. It's social. I get that. But your day-to-day life is not that, or it shouldn't be that. And you can celebrate every meal. It's fine. But if you're celebrating it by eating at a calorie surplus of shit, you're always going to be heavier and have more fat than you want to have on your body. That's just reality. You have to work at this every single day. We did a podcast on why eating right is so hard. If you want to listen to it, I break it down in great detail. It is really tough to do. But for the most part, you ask yourself, what am I trying to accomplish with the food I'm putting in my body? Because the food I'm eating is either making me healthier or unhealthier. There's no in-between. So either this is a healthy choice or this is an unhealthy choice. And it's not right or wrong. You pick and choose your battles of you know how you want to dictate that in your life. <clears throat> Excuse me. But you have to ask yourself, what am I trying to accomplish with my meals and my food? And then once you start to do that, you start to say, okay, am I eating mostly real food? Or is this mostly processed food? Is this food making me feel good? Or is it making me feel run down? Am I getting good sleep? Are my workouts good? Or am I dying in my workouts? Am I falling asleep in the middle of the day? Am I bloated? Is my you know bowel movements regular? Do I like the way that I look? Do I like the way that I feel? Am I getting stronger? Am I getting weaker? And then once you start to figure that out, am I gaining weight? Am I losing weight? And then you track the macros. Okay, when I eat this, I don't feel so great. When I eat this, I can't control myself. When I eat this, I do feel awesome. But at the end of the day, you guys, protein, produce, and water, wash, rinse, repeat every single day. Pick your treats and spots. Drink your alcohol as you need to, uh, but really be mindful of it. And if you do that consistently, it doesn't matter what body type you are. You can change it over time if you're really diligent and you really want to do it. I've seen it happen for people who have way worse genetics than you. I've seen people here who have lost 150 pounds and never put it back on. I've seen people come in here and be 300-pound bags of shit, turn into Ironmen. I literally see it, and I've lived through it for over 15 years. It's amazing to see. The power that food has on the body is... It's literally the greatest medicine. And it comes down to the choices that you make every single day. It's a lifestyle choice. And a lot of times we want to blame genetics and our family, and and rightfully so. Sometimes mom and dad gave you a shit hand. I, I got my own issues. But at the end of the day, you can change the station you're at. It's not a life sentence of being stuck, being skinny or fat or whatever it is, or being not strong or have no endurance or have no mobility. Those things you can change. I wasn't always this person. I can promise you that. I have some natural genetic athletic gifts. I will admit that. But there's so many things in my body that I have. If it was a credit card, I've maxed this bitch out beyond anything you can understand in terms of mobility and strength and endurance and especially with the food that I eat. And all of you guys can do the same thing. And again, it starts with the basics and just really taking an overall you know, healthy, holistic approach to it. And if you do that based on wanting to change your internal health, The byproduct is you're going to have this external body that looks and moves and feels the way that you want it to. So hopefully that made sense and gave you guys a little bit of education on that. I'm going to put this in the newsletter later this week uh, with some uh, more info on there. And I'll kind of break it down in detail. And if that helps you guys kind of put a visual uh, to the audio of it. But it's a lot. Uh, I only coughed like three times. Success. Um, We have... A guest coming out on Friday and the next Friday, and we'll get Heather back on here too. But I believe we have Ryan O'Tooley coming on the podcast on Friday, I think. She is on the LPGA Tour, and she is a badass. I think you guys are going to get a lot out of that. So that's happening this Friday, and then we'll pop in something on the weekend as well. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you guys as always. If you guys don't watch on YouTube, 
Um, subscribe, 100% for free. We're loading all the Instagram content on there, and then probably about about half of these podcasts on there as well. Other than that, um, that's what's rolling here. A lot of stuff coming down the pipe for you guys. We'll do one more um, challenge transformation type program. I believe it's in November. I'll talk about that when we get there. But thank you guys as always. Anything else you want to hear on the podcast, send us a request. I'm happy to touch on it if we can. So if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts, stop. Don't be a lazy ass. Go on the app. Scroll your finger all the way down. Drop it a five-star. Leave a comment. I truly would appreciate it. And uh, you guys have an awesome rest of your Sunday. So until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.